We've all got limited resources such as borrowing capacity, available cash and equity, and we need to make the best use of them so that we're getting the best outcomes that we can, not taking too much risk, which is the key. It's really a case of being disciplined with your, account, your accounts and setting things up on autopilot so that you have a living expenses account, longer term savings account, savings slash investing account. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management, sales and buyers agency servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here's your host, Jared Mann. So, let's take a deep dive into some of the absolutely necessary and core foundations that are needed to grow your wealth so that you're not building on a sinking foundation or one that's going to be temporary, you really want to get these things locked in so that you can not only create lasting and sustainable wealth, but so that you can build from a solid foundation and really set yourself up to do it quicker and, you know, have it last longer. So in working deeper with a lot of investors over the last few months, I'm really noticing that a lot of the work that I'm doing with my strategic plans with people is helping to try to fill in some of these gaps. And a lot of investors can sometimes get frustrated that they need to sit on their hands, but you can actually work on a lot of these things before you actually go to make your next purchase. They really should be put in place before you do any purchases, ideally. So let's go through them. I'm, I've broken them up into one, two, three, four main areas. And the first of which is actually having a strategic plan. So why is that so important? I've had some episodes where I've sort of taken some uh, deep diving into this. We had a really, really good interviews with Jordan DeJong, who was the founder of Game Plans, who created the software that we actually use to create our strategic portfolio plans. But I really wanted to just touch on this because I've learned a lot by the investors that we've been working with from them. What does a good strategic plan have? Well, it helps you get clear on your goals. Now, why are goals so important? Well, if you don't actually know where you're heading to and by when, it's pretty hard to get there. And that's just absolutely key to putting in place before you start, you know, buying anything. How do you know if the property that you're going to buy is the most optimum way to get there? You first have to know where you're going to. So basic goals should really be to pay off your house that you're living in and have a certain level of passive income by a certain age. And look, typically, most people are going to need at least 100000 per annum to give them a fairly modest lifestyle. Now, keep in mind, that's with your house paid off, so you don't have rent or you don't have mortgage to pay. That's just for lifestyle and living expenses. And where a lot of people uh, fall short is that you actually need to index this 100000 with inflation. So in 10 years, it's going to be a fair bit more, in 20 years, even more, and 30 years, even more. So you've got to include that in your plan and have it project forward the different levels of 
passive income that is going to be needed will be much higher depending on how far away your your retirement or your point of wanting this passive income is. And once you you at least have that goal, so let's say your goal was a hundred thousand passive income, and that's a hundred thousand in today's money. What we then want to do is work out a goal for the asset base need that you need to accumulate in order to give you that hundred thousand. And a rule of thumb I like to use is take the passive income times it by twenty, and that's basically going to give you a reasonable target in today's dollars. So if you had 100,000 passive income times by 20, that means you're going to need a $2 million asset base. Basically, that's going to allow if you had a 5% sort of income coming from that asset base and you had growth on it that kept up with inflation then, then that's going to be the minimum sort of target to head towards. And of course, it can be made up of different assets, and but I'm just mainly talking about property and having a goal for property at this point. But you know, you might want your property portfolio to give you a hundred, and your super to give you forty or fifty, and your share and shares and other things that you might have to give you X amount. All of this can, but I'm just focusing on the property portion here. And if you're not receiving this amount from rents alone, it may require you in your plan to sell all or part of your portfolio and convert it into other assets such as shares or index funds to generate this income. And that's what many clients have to do if they can't create it from rents alone. And then you factor in, you know, your capital gains tax that you pay and to your other costs to get out of the property, you know, it, having this extra wealth that you've, you've created certainly gives you much more options. So you then, once you've got clear on your goals, where you're heading to, you've indexed them for inflation, you've kind of got your minimum goal there. I like to not just play with minimums, but try to overshoot and make sure that you're definitely going to end up with enough. My personal goals, 250 thousand and then I've got a five hundred thousand you know goal but really with two hundred and fifty thousand a year you could pretty much do absolutely anything that you wanted and you're gonna have absolute choices. So your goals getting clear on them and then you need to get clear on your current situation. Now I can probably hear your brain ticking over thinking, yep, yeah, I know what my current situation is. And look, every person that has been getting a strategic plan with me kind of thinks that they know it but there's knowing and then there's intimately knowing so the beauty of doing a strategic plan is that it's really going to get you to that intimate level and then you can start working out when you've got clarity where your priorities are for take-home money that you get like is it worth spending that extra on the lifestyle or the extra on the car upgrade or the holidays can you change some of those things around and do some greater investing in the shorter term that's going to give you much greater choices in the longer term? So you can't work out the best and most optimum path to take to these goals if you don't first know where you are now. Think about how your GPS works on your Google Maps. You know your current location, you know your future location, then you can work out the path and the most optimum way to take 
to get there. And of course, if we don't know where we're heading to, how can we even start off on that journey? And if we don't know where we're starting, how can we even plan and work out the most optimum way to get there either? So I find the best way to do this, and that's why we've created our strategic portfolio plan that in that requires software to do it. And you also need a great level of experience because you want to make sure that you're doing it based on realistic, you know, numbers. You want to do it based on realistic, you know, what's actually realistically possible from the market. You want all your assumptions that you're putting in to be realistic and achievable. You want to over-engineer it basically so that, you know, over the long term that you're not being overly optimistic but kind of got worst case built in and that's what I love about it and the main thing that I find clients are getting out of the strategic plan is not an actual plan to grow their number of properties that they're you know that are in their portfolio and build a portfolio what they're getting out of it actually is the growing of their comfort zone and their capacity for wealth So just bear with me here because it might be a little difficult to initially understand. People think that it's about the properties. No, it's about seeing what's possible for yourself, seeing where you can get to, starting to get comfortable with that, getting comfortable with the number of properties that you'd need to buy and getting comfortable with your finances, with your money, showing that you can really understand, have clarity around all of that. That vision helps you actually then take the action and push through that existing comfort zone that doesn't have much wealth, that doesn't have, you know, the capacity for more. You need to first see the plan for it. Then you get that real clear vision. Then you can start taking action. Then you can head towards it. Then you actually increase and grow your comfort zone and grow your actual capacity for more, for more wealth. That's how you create it. And that is the biggest advantage and reason to do a plan rather than, you know, fumbling your way in the dark, buying a a property just because you could at that time and then getting stuck at one or two and not having a great enough reason or a great enough why or any kind of plan to push past that. And by God, you'd want to make sure that you're doing it in the most optimum way, wouldn't you? And it's about then knowing what types of properties and assets to select, where do they sit on that spectrum between more of a growth property, more of a rental yield focused property. And that's really going to come down to your situation, how much available and surplus money you have to put into your investing and how your whole world looks and ultimately what what type of goals and level of goals you're trying to achieve by when so that's really going to then have you you know be very clear on the types of properties and when you are likely to be able to buy them and we've all got limited resources such as borrowing capacity such as available cash and equity we need to you know make the best use of them so that we're getting the best outcomes that we can, not taking too much risk, which is the key. So that first absolute key for having a solid foundation is having a strategic plan. So get in touch with us if 
you do want to look at getting one and we can take you through exactly how it all works and what's involved and the costs etc and we're getting really great feedback from the clients that we've been putting these in place for and now that we've been doing it quite a while people you know coming back to me some you know four months later five months later excited because they've managed to progress things faster than they thought and they want me to update their plan and you know add an extra property in here or there or they've been able to look at that next purchase earlier than they thought so it's just exciting to share the journeys with people and really help them optimize how they're going about things so i'm getting a buzz out of it too now the next one solid part of your foundation is to get your finances in check and under control so the strategic plan is really going to help you do that by forcing you to look at them but it then falls on you to to go and put some cash flow management in place and why is that so important because without creating a surplus from your income to be able to invest then you know ultimately you need to make money work hard for you and put money to work so that you don't have to work hard in the later years and in order to do that you need a surplus so that is in its most basic sense spending less than what you earn and putting that surplus to work on investments and you really need to look at clearing out bad debts and not only because the interest on them is not tax deductible and it you know eats away you basically you know have spent current money on uh you know you've given up future money as well to pay for these bad debts such as cars boats personal loans you know higher purchases store i'd probably throw uh university in there even though it is certainly a, a better debt but it's still gonna you know be a potential burden for you and eat into what you can do lifestyle and investing wise and especially in the bank's eyes it's going to limit your borrowing capacity and what the banks see as possible for you most importantly so you strategically need to work out what debts you might clear initially and the sequencing of when you clear debts versus when you invest and you know Ideally, you should try to clear as much of these bad debts before you get into investing. Not possible for everyone. Sometimes they might have a car loan still, but certainly worth looking at with either a financial planner or and, and or your finance broker to look at the actual implications on your borrowing capacity. And when it comes to having a cash flow sort of management system, I have covered it in a previous episode, what I do, but it's really a case of being disciplined with your, account, your accounts and setting things up on autopilot so that you have a living expenses account and you have a longer term savings account, savings slash investing account. That might be three different accounts, living expenses, longer term savings and investing, or it could just be the two. It's good if you've got uh, your longer term savings and investing accounts in offset to your home loan. And if you don't have a home loan, offset it against an investment property because especially with interest rates now being up there, you can you know be making your 6% odd on, on in, in offset, which is wonderful. So it's great if you set up auto transfers so that the money is just going across those accounts. So it's nice if you can't access them online 
to withdraw money from so that it just goes in there, you forget about it. And that way you can force yourself to, you know, live on the living on the yeah, your living general living account. And it's good if you can work with your partner on this together so you're all on the same page. So finances, cash flow management, really important foundation for growing your wealth. Now, the next one, our third one is your team. And what would a foundation be like without this? So Dan Sullivan, one of my favorite business thinkers, has written a book called Who Not How? And it's an absolutely fabulous principle that you should carry not just in business but into your investing and personal life as well so a lot of people think about oh how am i going to do this and that's the question that they predominantly ask themselves instead when you go to ask yourself the how question replace it with the who question who am i going to use to do this who am i going to see what expert am i going to see to optimize and get the best result with this so you really need to look at leveraging the experience of your team because this is also going to minimize the time and effort that's going to be required and enable you to keep moving forward without getting stuck you are most likely very busy with your work and your family situation your personal life if you can even find some time to yourself (laughs) This investing stuff does take time and it can take a hell of a lot less time if you leverage the experience of a team. That's how the the most successful investors keep moving forward. They understand that. And most importantly, the right team is going to help you avoid costly mistakes along the way. And one mistake, especially when you're starting out, could set you back hugely in both time and money. It could be as much as five or ten years, and that's time. The opportunity cost that you lose in that time, as well as just the money, you know, it, it can really set people back. And often, when people have a big and costly mistake early on, when they're just starting out, they usually don't have the resilience to get back on the horse. They usually take that first mistake and say, "Oh, property investing doesn't work," or, you know, "This isn't going to work for me." And so, it's a real shame when. You know, if they'd just gotten the right team around them, they could have had a completely opposite experience and taken that momentum into growing their portfolio and been in a completely different other position at 10 years. So the team as well is going to help you make the most optimum decisions that compound positively over time. And what I like to say is right choices compound. So when you're starting out, you can go with the cheaper choice, the lesser experienced person and It takes some time to show up that that choice is inferior, that that choice hasn't led to the same results that you could have gotten. And just like right choices compound over time, the wrong choices actually compound negatively over time because you're never going to get that time back and you've lost that opportunity cost. And there's an opportunity cost in the meantime. So who are the team that you really need to have? A strategist such as myself, finance broker, accountant, a buyer's agent. We can certainly help you with that now as well. A settlement agent. I married mine. <laughs> Building and pest inspector. I've got one of my friends who owns uh, ResiCert coming on the show in the coming episodes. It's going to be really eye-opening. So 
they're a great part of my team as well. Property managers, we cover the whole of Perth. We've got nine amazing property managers, most high level, have that investment mindset. They certainly pay for themselves with everything they do, improving your returns and preventing stress. So really key. And then you also need tradespeople. If you have the right property managers, you don't have to worry about that, but that's key for maintaining your asset and or you know, renovating it if it's needed. And then need a, a sales agent that you can actually trust. And that's what I also personally do. So for some people over the last 15 years, I've sold for some people eight or nine times. It's about strategically choosing your timing for when to exit a property and to do it for the best price possible without stress. So that's why I'm very different to a local agent. It's just very transactional. They would sell for someone once, never see them again. If you ask a local agent if it's a good time to sell, their answer is always yes. Even mid-tenancy or even when it's not presenting well or even when certain improvements should be made. And, you know, they're not going to be advising you on how to get the best overall price. Most don't anyway. So that team, that core team is really essential. And if you get it right, it's just going to make everything else so much easier. A good starting point is just to get in touch with us because we've obviously got contacts with all the rest of those people that I've painstakingly put together the team that I know that can deliver. And it's taken me, you know, 15 years so far, well, longer. Started this journey 20 odd years ago. And I've continuously been refining the team that we have. And yeah, that's one of the biggest advantages of working with us. So that's three of the solid foundations for wealth. Now, the last foundation, people often don't even realize that they've got some poor thinking that they need to change. And this can't happen overnight because we've all been ingrained in our subconscious, from our parents, from our environment, from our upbringing, certain ways of thinking. And that's why in many other episodes, I spent a lot of time going into this and trying to just, you know, change it in your head, because how can you create a much higher level of wealth when your thinking is still poor? I'm not sure. You're going to, it's, it's like the lottery winner that quickly divests themselves of the money because they're not ready for it. Now, I wanted to explain some of the key concepts here. So perhaps I can just get through to a few people that might be thinking poorly. So there's a big difference between being cheap versus being frugal. Now, someone who is cheap just goes with the lowest cost option all the time and they always try to save money, might be by doing it themselves, thinking that they're best at doing it or they don't trust others or that it's better for them to do it to save a few dollars. Hey, I can use Google and find out you know, how to do my own dentistry. But does that mean that I'm going to do it when the the dentist that I go to see has worked on hundreds, if not thousands of other people and is a true expert at doing a filling and doing a scale and clean? Why would I try to do that those things themselves? That's what a cheap person does without even realizing. But someone that's frugal, you know, they still weigh up the value of their money. They still value it highly. They don't waste money. They are still prepared to spend on themselves where they're getting an investment. They're prepared to have the the fabulous holiday and the experiences and other things with their family. And 
the, but then they don't go and waste a whole bunch of money on things that aren't giving them value and aren't giving them an en- enjoyment and an experience. That's the real core differences between cheap versus frugal. From the outside, it can seem that sometimes I'm being cheap, but there's a big difference between the two. I spend in areas that are going to give me an investment, that are going to give me an experience and are going to add to my lifestyle and I weigh up costs and make sure that I'm going to get value and a return from them. So the other way that people think poorly is that they see everything as a cost or expense and they don't understand the difference between an expense versus an investment. So I think part of the reason that cheap people are so cheap is that they see everything as that expense, whereas the frugal people see the investment and that when you outlay on the right things, it's going to produce a return that far exceeds that that outlay and they think in terms of an, of an investment and getting a return. And that's how I view paying for a strategic plan, paying for the right team members, paying for buyer's agency and paying for a good building and pest inspector, paying a little extra for your property manager. All these things produce are an investment that produce a return far out, outweighing their cost. And the beautiful thing is that they're also an investment, it, you know, is usually tax deductible too. And so you get a nice little tax credit from the ATO for, for the outlay as well. And that's often a sign of where, you know, something is more of an investment than an expense. And you'd never do it just for the tax deduction, but it's certainly a nice bonus. And it doesn't replace the need of having the right team or the right, making the right investment. It doesn't mean that anything that's a tax deduction makes a good investment. So some of the other poor thinking that you might need to change here is that a lot of people just try to go out and buy a income producing positively geared property from day one, again, without consideration to their strategic plan. And that's often because they're cheap, because they're not willing to actually create a surplus from their finances and to invest, make investments. Um, they're not willing to put the money into this thing we call investing. And so this cheapness, they don't have control of their cash flow management. They might be not able to even afford having investments ongoingly. So they then think, okay, well, I'll buy a positive cash flow property and then I don't have to tip anything into it at all. But what they don't realize is that what's the most optimum way to getting to these end goals? That's what you need to look at and what you need to work back from. And for most people, that's going to be to grow your asset base first, buying the best quality of properties that you can afford and then converting to income later. And relating back to the start of the discussion where I spoke about, you know, if you're not getting the rent to fully cover your passive income needs, there's always the option there of selling and converting those assets. And even if you're selling and paying capital gains tax, that's the capital gains tax rate at a 50% discount is still going to be, and, and usually when you might, you'd look to sell when you've got little to no income, you might be fully retired and selling. So that's going to reduce the actual taxable rate considerably because you're taking the gain when you have little to no income, you're paying 50% capital gains tax discount. So it's far better to take your gains that way than to take them as income along the way or early in your journey where you're just going to pay a really high tax rate on that if you if you are earning a reasonable income in, in today. So most optimum way 
when you model all these things out is to grow your asset base first and then convert to income later. And that's where you need to change your thinking. Final area for changing your thinking is I've seen people get lost in procrastination. I know when I was starting out at 16, between 16 and 20, I was a massive procrastinator. I'd get lost in analysis paralysis is the words for it. And what I've found in working with successful people is that they want enough information to be able to make a decision, but when they have that information, they can make the decision quickly. And in this market, when properties are selling fast, when decisions need to be made quickly, that's the difference between securing something and not. And so we find that the investors that we're working with, if they can make decisions quickly, when they've got all the information, then they're going to be a lot more successful. So I hope that gives you a really good outline of some places to work on, even if you're not ready to, to actually buy a property or you're between buying a property, get your, your foundations really solid so that the rest of your wealth creation just becomes so much easier. And if we can help with any of the parts to this, feel free to get in touch. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next one. Just a reminder, the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature. As we don't know your specific situation, you should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market reports on your suburb of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorshedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group.